This is the No Limits podcast, number 37. I'm your host, Joey Goche. Thanks for, for joining us. We had just about gotten into Oklahoma, driving from South Louisiana, and we were excited for several reasons. Number one, we'd never hunted Oklahoma before, and as you guys have followed us quite a bit, know we've we've gotten around from Louisiana all the way up into Canada. Uh, so we had never hunted there, and, and if you've duck hunted long enough, uh, you'll know that Oklahoma has gotten to be a a bit of a bit of a shining star in the waterfall world. So we were excited to be in Oklahoma, um, excited to hunt a new place, but that wasn't the biggest reason, at least for me, for the excitement. Um, you guys that have followed us know that we put out a men's Bible study that was really based on all the episodes that we had filmed in the last or in the, the first few years of Revelation Outdoors. And I was the biggest reason I was excited is because I finally got to meet Mitch McLaughlin. Now, Mitch was one of the first people that reached out to us to say, hey, we would like to use your materials for our men's study. And we were just super, super excited by that. Um, and Mitch and I have stayed in or had stayed in touch before this hunt. Uh, this was Christmas of last year. And just stayed in touch. Um, and he's helped me through some things. I've helped him through some things. And we became really, really good friends. And so Mitch invited us out to Altus, Oklahoma, which if you've never been through it, don't blink when you drive through it because you will have already gone through it and not known that you were there. Um, but we were, I was really excited to finally get to hunt with Mitch because we had become such good friends. Um, spiritually we're wired the same. We, we kind of see things through the same lens and it's just, you guys know how good it is to find, um, somebody that you can just bounce things off of and they kind of know where you're coming from. And so we made that hunt and, uh, really solidified that friendship and we are even more excited that Mitch is here with us tonight. So Mitch, thanks for joining us. Hey Joey, I'm so stinking excited Good to be to on here with you. Yeah. <laughs> Bro. It's uh I am too, man, and you know, we been planning this forever and uh, you know things just life kind of gets in the way and we finally just said hey it's time to do it so um glad to have you on and uh yeah man it's good appreciate it I, I i've been been waiting for this day for a long time just to uh sit down and and get to talk and get to rehash all the just a great time that we've had here just this last year and and get to talk about just the relationship that you and I have been able to develop over the last, what, 
two or three years. A lot of it just corresponding yeah. back and forth on Facebook and um right. and then getting to to visit with you over the phone and then man, get to hang out. That's freaking ultimate. Yeah, it was it was good. And we're gonna talk about um that hunt because it was I don't think we well, no, we did kill a Merganzer. The first morning. <laughs> a hooded merganser. A hooded And I think your son pulled off like the shot of a lifetime. Was that a merganser too? Whatever was flying behind us when we were walking uh, out? If my mind serves me right, that was a Gadwall Drake. Oh, yeah. Oh, I th- you know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to... We're going to talk about that, um, we're, and then we got to exchange the favor and have you come hunt the timber with us in Mississippi, so oh, we'll talk about that, too. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about uh, your Project Identity episode that we filmed, which is going to be dropping here in the next couple of days. But yeah. before that, let's go back to the beginning, like the very beginning. Who where? Okay. Who are you? Where did you come from? How did you get to be where you are and give us some background well i'm just a a good old boy country redneck from uh, southwestern oklahoma i was born and raised in a little town called blair oklahoma which is literally just a dot on the map 10 miles north of altus people ask you say where are you from you tell them you're from altus because it's easier to find on a map because you won't find blair hardly on there but uh born and raised there all my life um still live (laughs) on the same street that I was born on, uh, lived three doors down from my parents and, uh, just, uh, kind of almost live in what you would consider Mayberry, um, wherever, or, or cheers, you know, when you, you were, you want to go where everybody knows your name. And, uh, yeah. that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of home. Um, I, uh, went to college, uh, got my degree in sports medicine, uh, met my wife, um, whose parents were pastors of a local church here. And, um, I met my wife in college. We knew each other practically growing up. Uh, we never went to the same school when we were in, in high school, never went to the same school while we were in college, uh, but wound up getting married and, uh, ended up coming back to, to Southwest Oklahoma and, we, uh, I got my degree in sports medicine and uh, was a certified athletic trainer working in uh, sports sports rehabilitation and sports injuries. And uh, now, were you were you in sports in high school? Yeah, I played. I was a I was a I guess you would call a two sport athlete when I was in, in high school. Played baseball and basketball, um, mm-hmm. and uh, knew that 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 I wouldn't ever have really the opportunity. I mean, I was, I was your average athlete, uh, but I wasn't a part of that 3% that was going to go on and, uh, and play college sports. But I, I knew it was something I wanted to be involved in for the rest of my life. And so I, uh, I actually, in, I actually ended up hurting my ankle, uh, and tearing a couple of ligaments in my ankle, my, junior year and rehabbed it back and in that process kind of figured out that was something that I thought I wanted to do uh, I thought well I could be a part of sports and and uh, do rehab and so I put the two together and not get hurt anymore 
and not get hurt anymore, you know? Uh, and, and I'll never forget. My dad told me this. He said, son, if you think about it, he said, uh, if you were to go into sports medicine, you would always have a sideline seat or a courtside seat, uh, to whatever sporting event. I mean, you, you go and buy tickets to events, just go, I mean, you'd be right there and see it all. You'd actually get to go out on the field too, if somebody got hurt. So, so that's what I did and, uh, got my degree in sports medicine and did some sports medicine. I was head athletic trainer at Alts high school for, uh, I think right around 10 years. And I uh, worked in sports medicine, sports medicine, orthopedics for an orthopedic surgeon here in town did sports medicine outreach and, Western Oklahoma and North Texas and, uh, had a good time doing that and, um, wound up going back and getting my master's degree in educational administration and, um, followed in the footsteps of my father, who was a, a, a public school administrator. He was superintendent of schools, uh, for about 28 years and, I went into medicine. I said I'd never go into education. I went into medicine to get away from education, and I wound up getting my medical degree and also educational degree and wound up. I'm now assistant principal at Altus High School. This is my fifth year, and uh, and so finished my superintendent certification uh, last, uh, been last spring, I guess, and so um Married the love of my life, Jandy McLaughlin. Uh, we've been married for 15 years, December the 16th this past year, and uh, got two kiddos. I got a got a 13 year old Asher uh, McLaughlin, and uh, and I got a daughter, a 10 year old daughter named Jaylee, and so we're uh, we're living the good life, as they say here in Western Oklahoma, where it never rains and it's 105. You'll have your air conditioner on in the afternoon and your heater on in the morning. So it's um that's that's kind of my uh kind of my MO here. We uh, we've been part of Western Oklahoma all my entire life. Uh, if you've ever been to Western Oklahoma before, it's very flat. Uh, it's very dry uh cotton fields for as far as you can see 30 percent of the cotton made in the united states comes from four counties here in western oklahoma jackson Harmon, tillman uh, and greer counties here in western oklahoma and uh it's a very agricultural based community where we live in uh we have an air force base here in at altus um altus air force base uh, it's a refueling uh squadron uh, here at the Air Force Base, and so our our society here is basically a mixture of agriculture and and military, uh, and those are the two driving forces of industry here in Southwest Oklahoma. So that's uh, yeah, that's and you can see you can see all four of those counties at once if you just stand and turn Literally. and look. <laughs> Literally, when you say it's flat. Uh, it's flat. It's very flat. Very flat. And our mountains here that that we consider as grandeur are molehills compared to <laughs> what what uh, what other people see. You know, we got the Wichita Mountains here, and uh, they're beautiful. Uh, but you know, we they're they're kind of our uh, our example of the Rockies. You know. <laughs> yeah. 
Now you're the property that we hunted uh the last was it the last day? Yeah. That what, that property what river is, So that is the that is considered the um I'm trying to remember if it's the north fork or the salt fork of the Red River. Uh which of course the Red River borders um the south edge South edge of Oklahoma, the north edge of, of Texas, um, where we were hunting at, we were literally probably three miles from the Oklahoma-Texas line, the Red River, um, and the river that we were hunting is one of the little tributaries that feeds into the actual Red River itself. Um, that's a, gosh, that, that property that we were hunting um, is a family property that, that myself and my father and cousin and uncle own together. And, uh, we lease, we lease a portion of the property that goes with the stuff that we actually own. And, um, the nice, the cool thing about that place, you got the river that board borders it on the east side and on the south side. So the river wraps around and, um, just tons of, um, salt cedar, uh, it's not your typical, you know, when you think duck hunting, uh, nope. it, it's not your typical terrain that you would hunt. Uh, it, it's kind of, I say this jokingly, but I mean, if you've ever watched guys hunting antelope out in, you know, Texas panhandle in Mexico, picture kind of duck hunting in that type of, that type yeah. of terrain with a few Yeah, it's trees. different. Uh, it is, you got, you got tall, tall grasses and salt cedars, um, and maybe some, some willow trees that line the river if you're lucky. Uh, yeah. Well, the first, the first morning that we hunted, it reminded me a lot of Kansas because when we hunt Kansas, it's really just little water tanks for, for livestock. Yeah. Right. And if you find one that has birds on it, you hunt it because there's not water around for a ways. Well, and that's the same way it is here. You know, we've been in such a drought here in Western Oklahoma for man for years. And when we're talking a drought, like it is drastically damaged our Turkey population. Our Turkey numbers are just, I mean, Western Oklahoma was considered the Mecca of Turkey hunting for years and our turkey numbers are so low, it's not even funny. I mean, they're just, they're being obliterated. Um, yeah. Our lakes, you know, our our lakes and our ponds are practically dry. Um, and so it's it's kind of, if you can find water here, um, any of the ducks that are coming from the north, if they find water and you find water, you've, you've found your pot of gold that's in the rainbow, you better sit there. And yeah. um, that's kind of how... Well, in my mind, when you guys came, I thought I, I didn't even hunt that property until you guys came. I, I wanted to walk straight into it, sight unseen. I knew that there was water in it, um, and I knew that the lake didn't have much in it, and the river around it didn't have a whole lot in it. But for whatever reason, it had some, and we still, swung, <laughs> what I consider, swung and missed that day. <laughs> well, but I mean, you showed me, so we walked in there. Um, and you said, oh, this is where we stood last year and yes. killed three limits and yes. we were kicking up dust walking yes. through there. 
Yeah. Yeah. The year Man. before we had hunted that, we were standing in probably mid thigh deep water up in salt cedars. You know, my, the, the closest recollection of, uh, you know, Arkansas timber hunting that you would ever get close to in Oklahoma, we were standing in salt cedars, you know, with water just above our knees. And the very first yeah. morning we were limited out. It was ridiculous the number of ducks we shot in there. Well, that's just typical for us. Should have been here yesterday. Should have been <laughs> yeah. here last year. Exactly right. Wait till tomorrow. Um, it, you know, and it was warm. But if you remember, there was a big, big front that was coming through. Yeah, and we kept saying, we kept saying, man, if you guys can hang here for another two days, it might get stupid. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, we hunted that first morning there where did we hunt the second morning i don't remember uh second uh, morning we went with uh our buddy chad um oh yeah yeah, yeah. another uh another little farm yeah. pond up in a bunch of uh literally a bunch of mesquite a mesquite flat yep and i, and I remember was- i mean it was it was pretty promising because i've hunted stuff like that in kansas with uh travis mm-hmm. sipe who's a real good friend of ours and it looked an awful lot like where we had been the the thing that um well we'll talk about when we get to you coming to hunt with us in mississippi is you can drive the truck like your biggest concern is hey we got to hide the trucks (laughs) so yeah like which is i'm never used to that i'm always used to grunt hunting walking in walking you know just whatever it is and when your biggest concealment concern is hiding your truck, um, mm-hmm. you, I mean, we drove the trucks right up to the edge of the water. Matter of fact, we had to move them to set the the, the tangle free blinds out. Yes, um, yeah. But it just and then go park it a half a mile down the road and then walk it all the way back. Yeah. Well, I, I'd rather walk that than walk in carrying all your stuff through the. True through the through the swamp like like we had to do but i remember um like you and i said hey let's just go drive the farm and drive the river and see if we see anything and um i remember you telling me the saddest sob story i'd ever heard in my life about this deer i hunt and your property has a lot of i mean a lot of deer probably more hogs and than deer now unfortunately um, but Mitch tells me this story about this huge buck that he hit and we weren't, uh, you know, I thought I hit it good, but couldn't find it, tracked it and trailed it. And, you know, oh man, the saddest of stories, how we never got to find it. And we're walking up to the river to see if there's mallards on, you know, just loafing on the river. And I still have the picture of me looking across the river and there's a deer dead on the other side. I'm like, Mitch, there's your deer right there. Now <laughs> it turned out it turned out that it was not your deer. Oh, man, um, you had my hopes up for a minute. Well, and I usually play jokes like that on people, like, oh, there he is laying right there. But there really was a there deer was. laying there. and it wasn't a, well, wasn't it wasn't a little deer, deer either. No, it wasn't. It's was probably I don't know one one thirty class probably, uh, but wait, but the coyotes it? hadn't got to it yet. No, it was it was actually still it for a minute. I wondered if it was mine, and it wound up turned out it wasn't. But uh, yeah, you had my hopes up that day for sure. 
Well, I remember kind of pulling up through different, and just to give you an idea, like there are cactus all over the place too. Yeah, like oh, I had, wow. I've never seen that. Like you, you drive through on the side by side, and there's trails that go through. I mean, it's it looks like if you've ever seen West Texas, how they hunt those big deer in West Texas, which I have no idea how they get that big because there's nothing but cactus and rock. Like I, I have no idea what, but that's okay. what your place reminds me of a bunch. Yeah. Um, and so I remember we pulled up to the rear and actually jumped a few, uh, you know, a few, um, mowards on the river. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mm -hmm. all right, well, we, we may be onto something. And we drove up a little bit more and drove up a little bit more. And you had walked up and, and, and kind of ducked down and said, oh, there's a bunch of them. So I put the Mohican sneaking belly crawl (laughs) up to the, (laughs) which had to be a site, um, but I put the Mohican sneak and belly crawl. Huh? It was definitely a sight from the back. You know, yeah, well, you sorry about that. Tiger hidden dragon thing going on. <clears throat> yeah, sorry about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, there was probably, I don't know, 75 or 80 green wing teal on the water. And so that's what we did. We just kind of kind of rolled the dice and sat there the next morning and uh, sure enough, man, they just came, you they just came buzzing in like, Oh yeah. Ground swatting. Oh yeah. Barrels were a smoking that morning. <laughs> it was good though, man. We got to, we got to stay at your lake house, which was awesome. Um, got to meet a lot of the guys cause it was your birthday. We came up like the day after your birthday, right? Yeah. yeah that was, yeah. Yeah, it was my my fortieth uh, birthday, and I I'll be honest with you, we hunted a bunch, but that night, my birthday, uh, there at that restaurant, all of my family and and you guys being there, that was like probably one of the greatest gifts I've ever had. Just hanging out with all my all my people, you know, and it was sitting there. It was nice. All the all of my family and friends got to meet you guys, and um, that was. I don't know, that was probably the highlight, one of the highlights of the y'all's entire trip for me uh, was just hanging out there in the restaurant and having dinner and visiting and getting to know everybody. And so, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. That's the that's the thing I think about, um, number one, why a, like a waterfowl ministry is, um, can be so successful. Absolutely. It's because, uh, like, you know, you can be leaning up against a tree or just sitting in the blind with, with buddies and nothing's going on. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can come up. You can get into some deep philosophical discussions. Um, Absolutely. And it's just, it just lends it. It's, it's a very, very social, I, I compare it to like dove hunting because Mm -hmm. you know, you don't, you got a big group of guys and there's the before and after, um, but it's just such a social thing and you can really get to know the people that you're with. Uh, and I think that's what I like about it the most. And I, I think you're right that that night we got to hang out and meet everybody, meet a lot of the guys in your men's group, um, meet your yeah. family, um, yeah. meet some other folks. It was, you know, just super interesting. Um, yeah. and we had that, that hunt the last morning, um, but like just hanging out at the lake house, cooking, eating, um, 
it was just a, a really, really, really cool trip. And that's, like I said, that, that anticipation of, Oh, what's it going to look like? And I wonder if it's going to look like this. And I wonder if, if this will happen, that'll happen. I always find it interesting that, um, reality always surpasses what you think is, is going to happen. Um, if you realize that the hunt isn't the real reason why you're there. Yeah. Um, you keep that in mind and the the actual experience always surpasses what the expectation is. And and I'll tell you this and I think that you would agree with me wholeheartedly. We ate pretty well while you were here as well. We ate oh, yeah. really well matter of fact. Um you yeah, know the quickest way, quickest way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And mm-hmm. um we 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 definitely ate well. Um man the breakfasts uh breakfast oh my gosh dude i forgot about that we went to the old yeah i i think we were going to need to pull up an extra table just for the food yes it was phenomenal um what uh, what was the what was the signature item on the menu um was it was it a cover-up it was the pile 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 the pile explain up. explain to our listeners uh what the pile up actually is the pile up is biscuits and gravy and hash browns piled on top of that and two fried eggs piled on top of that with um i believe your choice of um ham or bacon on top of that um and then again smothered with more gravy over the top of that um it is a cardiologist's dream. Um, yes. And uh, and here's a recommendation I would make is do not eat that before you go to the blind. No, that's a terrible idea. And um, I would not recommend that. <laughs> and, uh, um, but it for was, obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. Um, but it was, man, it was phenomenal. And, and uh, ham cheese omelet, you could never go wrong with that. Little biscuits and toast and jelly and you know sweet tea i mean you just can't you really can't beat it we ate phenomenal for breakfast and lunch and that last night uh the last night that uh y'all were here before y'all left uh, if my mind's right me and you went to the grocery store and uh we had us a little axis had a little axis buck that um jaden lingle um Mm -hmm. our youth pastor our church brought up and it seemed like we did a little, little bit of rice and a little, uh, uh, made a little yeah, roux. I made, and, so, uh, yeah, so I made, um, I think I made some dirty rice and dressing. Um, You're talking dirty. I did make a, yeah, I did make a gravy for the Axis uh, loin that we smoked or seared quickly on the Traeger. Seemed like we had some boudin. Uh, we had some boudin, that's right. Um, and, uh, oh, man. I forgot about yeah. that too. That was good. Yeah, it was real good. But but when when is it that uh, that you ever get an opportunity in December, the week after Christmas, to sit in t-shirt and shorts out on the back deck facing the mountains and eat like that and just sit in fellowship for hours. It, yeah, that, it was that good. right there alone, you, you can't beat it. There's my grandpa used to say it don't get no better than that. Right. 
And and that's that's what I'm that's the my favorite times um is either at the hunting camp or the fishing camp uh which you will be experiencing here shortly uh the oh, fish yeah. camp because the speckled trout are biting good. Um but I just think that food tastes better, drink tastes better, conversations are better at the camp. Absolutely. If you got a fire to poke or at, at the lodge. Better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, friend of mine called uh, a fire pit a Mexican TV one time because he said you could just stay. <laughs> he said you can just stare at that thing for hours like the Super Bowl was on. Yeah, and he's right. Yeah, yeah, he's right. I, gonna, I mean, fire only does one thing, but it's amazing. It when is. You just sit there and stare at it, and you know. Three hundred and sixty degree Mexican TV. That's what he called it. That's that's a good so, analogy. I don't know. I thought that was funny. It is. It's good. And then so we, yeah. And then so we made plans for you and Asher to come hunt flooded timber with us. One of the one of the trips that we always try to make every year is in the Mississippi Delta. Um, it's, it's a uh, national forest. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say the name because then I'll get hate mail. Yeah. You know, oh, why are you telling everybody? Come on, dude. Everybody knows where it is. Um, and uh, but it's just it's it's flooded Tupelo, and that's one of our stops. Like every, it's the first place that we ever filmed. Um, and so it's just one of our staple stops every year. The end of the season, that's where we go is in the Delta, and. Wow. It's all it's controlled water in the sense of um, there's a water control gate. It's all natural water. It's not pumped. It's it's you know it's it's rainfall. But after the last draw hunt, the last deer draw hunt, um, because they got deer big enough in there, you can put a saddle on them and ride them out. Um, after the last deer draw hunt, um, they closed the water control structures and you know, the water starts backing up when that place has water. Um, the, uh, the, the mallard population there is stupid, ridiculous. And so Brian and I went to scout it. Uh, I think the day before you showed up, you were a duck commander. I think you stopped at duck commander. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we went to scout it and drove down the road where the water control structure is. And I was like, uh Oh, so what? I said, nobody put the boards in the the water, the gate. And so water was just pouring out. I'm like, hmm. well, it's going to do one of two things. Um, it's going to, I mean, there's. it was so dry that there wasn't enough water to hold birds. That place can get too much water, and they just spread out all over the place. Um, but as we were you know, walking to different spots where I've probably got 60 or 70 spots in there, depending on where the water is. Yeah. None of them were huntable. None of them. So like, okay. Um, it's going to be interesting because Mitch has driven all the way from Altus, Oklahoma. So, um, but I mean, as it turns out, there's some sloughs that hold water all year. It's just, everybody knows where they are. Yeah. One of those kind of things. So, um, I want to know what your expectation because we we so we we took the 
we took the buggies in down the gravel road stop, got out, walked. Um, I knew that it was going to be bad when we didn't have to race anybody to the hole. That's how I knew that, hmm, when there's not, you know, when it doesn't look like the Indy 500 coming down the road at 4 a.m. because you have to wait till 4. Um, I'll put it to you like this. If you've ever seen the boat races in Biomead, Arkansas, mm-hmm. this place is like that just without the boats. And when you come around a curve four wide, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a three-ticket ride, believe me. But when there was no racing and no lines, I'm like, oh, boy. I think I've seen this movie before. My expectation going in, again, <clears throat> my expectation. Because you've never hunted timber before. You, you've I, never. I've, I've never hunted timber. you got to remember, I'm western Oklahoma flat. I mean, it's flat here. Uh, there's no trees hardly. Um, and I had just, just leading up to that, you know, my son and I, Asher, we left here, we left Blair at four o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I'm high school principal. I can't leave until school's out. And we left here in a blizzard. It was snowing like crazy. I was driving, um, from here to Vernon, Texas is right across the lines, 40 miles. I drove 20 and 25 mile an hour for at least 40 to 60 miles. Um, which in my mind, I'm already behind in drive time trying to get there. Cause it's about a, I think 12 hour drive, maybe yep. 14 hour. I can't remember. Anyways, I get just about to Wichita Falls, Texas, and I run out of the blizzard and, uh, wind up punching the gas and we uh we made it to we made it to uh Ruston, Louisiana at about two in the morning. We're gonna stay with one of my buddies, um Chad, <laughs> and uh I pull into I pull into Ruston and call his house at about two in the morning. I say, Hey, we're here and uh Chad says, Well the the person that lives in my house when I'm not there, he's got COVID. Uh I don't think you want to come in the house. I was like, uh no, no I don't so Asher and I, Roger that. we wound up, uh, I got in the back seat and Asher got in the front seat and we stretched out and slept the best we could in the cab of the pickup. Got up the next morning early, went and had breakfast and made it to Vicksburg and used that as a kind of an educational opportunity with, with Asher to go through the, the, um, civil war battlefield and get to see the old. How awesome was field. that place? Oh, he, we thought what was cool is he had just in one of his history classes, uh, at the junior high, he had, they just talked about Vicksburg and, um, it was so cool to listen to him tell me things, uh, that he had learned in class and, and to see the light bulb come on with him, you know, uh, just how the battleground was and how, um, you know, one side fought here and the other side fought here. And this was what they were talking, you know, that stuff was cool as a dad yeah. but also cool as an educator to kind of say well it it stuck he he listened and uh well it's but, just cool to see that oh these things that we're learning in history like they we they really were real places really and real people yeah yeah and uh you know just the opportunity you know asher's 13 and just the opportunity that i got just to have a father-son trip just he and i you know, yeah. everybody dreams about going on a road trip kind of thing and, you know, got your playlist on the on the radio, songs you want to hear when you're driving and, 
you know, it was just fun, you know, just getting to spend time with him and, um, you know, just getting Ice to chest see full the world. of Dr. Peppers and <laughs> that's exactly right. We had Dr. Peppers and honey buns and man, I mean, we were snack city in that truck all the way there. And, uh, but to get there and, and, uh, meet you guys there in Holly bluff or, um, just, just, it reminded me a lot of kind of the, the, um, the terrain of the land and stuff, you know, uh, looked a lot. I mean, there oh, was yeah. cotton fields, kind of like what we've got here. Uh, or at cotton least I fields think there, and flat. Yeah. And uh, lots of trees. Lots of trees. Don't oh, have yeah. those. Don't have any of those here. Uh, well, you know what's but, funny about uh, that? A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't realize is any place you see a big stand of forest or trees in the Delta in Mississippi, it's yeah. either state or federal property. Yeah, and I remember you saying that. That was that was kind of an eye opening deal for me, you know, because um, it's not that way here. It's it's agricultural land, and farmers own it all, and so mm-hmm. um, that was neat to see. But but just getting there, like I said, it, you the journey getting there was was one of those things that I'll always remember. But then getting there, and you know. M- you have visions of what you think it's going to look like and how, you know, how you, what your expectation of it is. That's what you asked just a minute ago. And so I, I, I really didn't have an expectation other than, you know, I'm used to driving the pickup up to the hole, kicking our stuff out and going and parking our truck down the way and walking back to it. This still <laughs> was a completely different deal. You know, yeah. we, uh, we hauled our side by side, however, twelve hundred miles or whatever it was, and and uh, pulling up and dropping the tailgate on that thing, and and I mean, just the small amount of folks that were there, um, you know, it was just exciting. I don't know, just the anticipation of it for me. I mean, I'm forty years old, and I was like a little kid. I mean, I can't imagine what Asher was thinking, but I kind of felt like him. You know, it was kind of a yeah. Christmas morning, waking up, getting to see what, what you're, what you're going to get. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm going to uh, tell you, you, you saw this, um, but you have to wait on the levee before you go down into the parking lot and park and take off wow. right on your, on your yeah. four wheeler, you side by side, whatever. So you saw like, I, the only way I do it is, um, I've got the bike running on the trailer, everything <laughs> on the bike, um, unstrapped, ready to go. And if I spend more than li- literally, if I spend more than 20 seconds in the parking lot, I feel like I'm late. Yeah. yeah. And so I think we had made a plan because Brian, you know, Brian knows where we, he knows where we're going. And so the plan was for me to shit and get, as soon as we hit the parking lot. So do you remember, do you remember that? <laughs> like I we do hit the remember. Parking lot and- as soon as we killed the truck, I mean, it was everybody out and we take off and we've got somebody throwing stuff in the back of the side beside somebody dropping the gate. Asher starting it, backing it off. Everybody piling into it and go, 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 go. Flipping on the lights and hauling, trying to catch Joey. And all you see is a cloud of dust ahead of you. Um, and disappear into the dark yonder. Um, and, uh, and then it's, it was funny to me watching you disappear into the dark 
And I was like, how do I, how do we know where he's going? Uh, that for me, you know, here I am. I don't, I have no clue. I have no clue what direction is what when you get in there. And, uh, I mean, yeah. Hooking it up. When I I parked, when I parked, I knew I could see that there was nobody else coming, but normally what I would do is get off the bike and start running (laughs) through the woods. Um, I I mean, it's that kind (laughs) of, It's that kind of deal, but I, I could see that we weren't going to be racing anybody, so I stood there and waited for y'all. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you the one thing that I learned, um, and and it, it if you remember right, it was pretty cool those mornings. So oh, yeah. I um, I forever, you know, here, again, I get dressed. I can get dressed, put my waiters on here at the house, and um, – end up driving out to my place and kicking the stuff out and going park the truck and walking back down and I'm ready to rock and roll. Well, this deal, you know, we're walking what? We walk a mile. We walk a it's mile, one mile point and a half. Se- one point, it's 1.7 in and 1.7 out, which makes yeah. sense that it's the same distance going in, going out. Um, uh, you know, unless there's some, you know, geographical oddity that goes on in the, in the Delta, there's not, it's the same distance. Um, you learn how to pack only what you need. Um, and you know, a lot of guys will come in and they'll bring big blind bags with, uh, you know, coffee bottles and snacks and waters and 12 boxes of shells and this and that you learn how to go in fast and quiet and take only what you need and do it quickly. I, I think the quote is, if you don't know what you're doing, or where you're going, it's best to do it quickly. Very, very, and so, very true. That's what I wanted to understand better is, okay, we parked the buggies. We're on headlights. It's four, I think. Um, we pulled off the levee at 359, and we got to our parking spot at uh, 412. So, I like that. Um we we move quickly, so you're on headlight power, and you look. That swamp is beautiful. Oh, it's man. absolutely gorgeous, but you can't see it all. You can't see it all. So I'm wondering, and I always wonder this about people that I bring in there first time they've ever been in there is what's going through your head as far as what you're seeing, what you're not seeing, and what you're expecting to see when the sun comes up. That's what I want to know. I. Walking in there, uh, like I can remember Asher being in front of me. Matter of fact, I've got it on video on my phone. I was walking and he turned around and looked at me and he goes, Dad, did you know that we were going to walk like this? And I said, no, son. I, I, how was I to know? And he's like, man, we're, we've got a long way to go. We can't even see Joey up there. And I said, well, just keep following that light. Keep going and we'll catch him. And... um you know, I had the headlight on with the little red light behind. Yes, it, you can I? see the little red dot. I told him, I said, just follow the red dot, and we'll, it'll get us there. Now, was that when we were walking in? Is that the one when the deer was on the trail in front yes, of us? Yes, it was just like a dog meandering in front of us, really slow. <laughs> like I think I passed just, the deer. <laughs> it just walked with us like it was a pet. Yeah, if you remember, yeah. it was a little doe. It was crazy. Yeah, I I can remember walking in, and of course. I remember thinking this in my mind, like, okay, we're in hardwoods, but where's the water? 
I, I kept I kept looking to see. I mean, yeah. there was no yeah, I was water. The, I was thinking the same thing two days before. I, Where's the water? And, but <laughs> and I, I kept thinking to myself, okay, well, we'll walk up on it here in just a little bit, or it'll appear out of the out of the darkness here in just a moment. But I mean, we walked in on dry land the entire way, and then mm-hmm. when we got to we got to the place, we stopped to turn and look, and Asher's about a hundred yards behind us. He's huffing and puffing, and I'm not gonna lie to you, I was huffing and puffing. I was out of shape too, um, but I can and I can remember just being. Of course, I'm terribly out of shape, but I can remember just sweating something awful by the time we got there, and. Uh, I remember you guys like, well, peel down. We got, well, we got two hours before the sun comes up. I'm like, okay, well, where's the water? And you're like, look over to the right. And you could just kind of see the water. But I will never forget this as long as I live. Um, I think it was Jody that was sitting there next to us. And he goes, guys, everybody turn your lights out. Everybody turn your lights out right now and look up. And, I mean, I, I still have that snapshot in my brain in my my memory right now i just remember looking up and you want to talk about the splendor there's no that that's probably the best word that i can i can describe is looking up and seeing stars that i looked up and was like why do i not ever see those kind of stars in oklahoma why, why yeah. the the Milky Way like the, it was and there was like a not to use a uh, Jimi Hendrix phrase but there was like a a purple haze kind of in the sky it was yep just the splendor of it it was like I drove if I drove all the way from Oklahoma just to look up and see this I'm good yeah. I don't even have to walk over into the water. I'm good. Well, this is it's unreal. Yeah. So one of the things that I say is because you know that's the swamp I was saved in. Yeah. Right. And like, one when my wife kind of catfished me and got me a camouflage Bible before I was a believer. Right. She goes, you know, there's stories in there about hunting or fishing. I said no. She said, yeah. Um, I remember. See, that's what I love about this place is because what you just said and what about what you just saw, I remember when that hit me, you know, 15 years ago. But I remember thinking, how does someone who put all that up there, like every single one of them, Mm -hmm. know or care that I'm this little speck? How does he even care that I exist, Right. And so then when I read Psalm verse eight, three, and four, when it says, when I consider the works of thy fingers, the moon and stars, which you have put in place, what is man that you even consider him? And in my ignorance, I read that and I said, whoever wrote this is a duck hunter. He must've hunted the swamp where I hunt, right? Because... It's just so you think about things like that. You think about verses like Romans one twenty. It says we 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 can clearly um, discern His divine power when we look at nature. Yeah. You know, we all see it. Um, and so we walk in. Which you didn't see walking in is we had water on the left and on the right, almost yeah. the whole way in. Uh, you just it. can't see it. 
Um, but then, then the sun comes up and I'm wanting to know if when you finally got, cause it, it doesn't, you know, it's a, it's sky's purple and it starts to get a little light. Then it starts to get a little more light. And we always pray at that time, like when the world is waking up again. Um, but so you start to a little bit at a time, the picture kind of paints itself for you yes, You're like very oh much so. okay so what i i was seeing this so that's actually another slew that comes around and right and you can start to mm-hmm. see how the landscape is i'm curious was it what you were thinking you were going to see the the first morning the first hole that we hunted in um if you remember right we had to wade through some deep water and oh, but that um, place is so pretty man oh it's beautiful beautiful um i can remember it was it was a cloudy morning um Mm -hmm. you guys were wishing that it wasn't as cloudy as it was to me i didn't care um we had a little bit of wind blowing um which was another thing but of course if you're a hunter and, and in the woods before the sun comes up you know, just and every hunter out there knows exactly what I'm talking about when you're sitting there and you really can't see a whole lot, but you can hear everything. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget my son was sitting or standing there next to me. And that's when the wood ducks started. Oh yeah. Coming oh, through my there. Gosh. <laughs> and the first time one of them screamed off in the, in the yonder, Asher looked at me and he goes, dad, that sounds like a dang pterodactyl coming in here on us. <laughs> And, uh, it was neat just to sit there and listen to the different sounds. Um, you know, each, each place that you, or wherever you live at, you know, there's certain sounds that you hear in the woods, you know, here in Western Oklahoma, you know, turkey gobbling or Bob White quail whistling, or, um, you know, those are the, those are the the things that you hear in the woods and squirrels and stuff, but just, I don't know hearing the wind blowing through those trees and um just the sounds the sounds were completely different than i that i had heard um yeah and just i don't know i don't know what it is about standing in water that's knee deep as opposed to maybe laying in a field or or um you know sitting in a blind or something it's just a it's just a different there's there's something different to it um, and for, I think you for this feel old... more part, you feel more part of the game. Like when you're in the water with them, yeah. um, it's kind of like laying, if you've ever put out a big spread of white, uh, socks and rags to hunt snow geese and mm-hmm. you're actually hiding in the decoys. Yeah. Right. You're not just a spectator kind of on the sidelines in a blind or something. Yeah. You right up in it with them. And you, you know, the one thing and, that, and, you know, Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was I had another thought, but I want to hear what you're going to say. What I was going to say is, you know, we're standing behind those trees. You know, the the tree that you're standing by that's that's your that's your your cover, yeah. that's your protection. And uh, I remember multiple times myself and even Asher. You know, we're we're poking head around the tree, looky looking, and you'd be like, "Hey, keep keep down behind that tree, keep down behind it." And, you know, I was reaching out. I just wanted to look and see. 
to me, it's a take it all in moment. You know, that's the, that's the the first you you've driven so many hours to experience. Yeah, this this is my reality. This is what you've dreamed of. This is what you've always you've always wondered what it's going to look like. Here it is. You drove all this way. You're here now. So soak this thing up. And is is it what you thought it was going to be? What's 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 it smell like? What's it feel like? What's it taste like? What's it? And um, just of course, like I said, being from where where I live, we don't have a whole lot of trees. But just standing there in those big trees and just looking up and you know seeing the ducks flying around and circling. I mean, those are things that. Um, I don't know. It, it, it was, it was a surreal moment for me just from the standpoint you watch, you know, I've all my life, I've watched, you know, hunting shows and, and, you know, you only see uh, a lot of times when they're whacking and stacking them left and right. You don't, they don't show the times where you're just, you know, downtime and sitting there watching, but, you know, we didn't, we didn't kill a duck one that first morning, but just the experience of being out there in the water, being amongst the trees, being with you guys. And I'll tell you the one thing that was, that was cool for me, um, is listening to, listening to you guys call, um, you know, when to call, when not to call, when to just shut Mm -hmm. up and just watch and, um, and I found myself doing it and, and I didn't realize it, but Asher was doing the same thing. Um, just watching and, and kind of taking in what was happening around us. Um, cause it is, it's a totally different type of hunting than what, than what I'm used to. Um, yeah. and so you've really got to know how to read the birds, uh, because you just said it. It's not, I've heard some guys that were terrible callers but the one thing that they did good was they knew what sound to make and more importantly they knew when to make it yeah based on what how the birds were responding and so what's funny is like i you know i've heard those wood ducks pretty much my whole life i mean that's that's nothing new to me i i still love it but it's so I find myself like in a different state of mind, like, okay, yeah, you know, the wood ducks are here and all that, that's beautiful. But when you hear that first green head over, over top, mm-hmm. dude, I don't care who it is. You find a different gear. <laughs> and, and then when you call and you hear that hen scream back at you from over uh-huh. the trees yeah, and you know, she's already dead. Because yeah. when they do that, they're coming. Dude, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Wood's wet. I'm that's, telling you. That's exactly right. Well, it like I said, that, that first morning just I I was just trying to take in all of the sights and sounds and and more than anything, and this is gonna sound goofy, but not screw up. And when I mm. say that, you know, not step wrong and go under. Or not, boy. Jody oh, did three times. He, you remember that? He got a drink. Oh, <laughs> bless his heart. Oh, yeah. I did not envy him. Oh, he. Oh. Yeah, he. I. I. I scored him a 
9.8 on the dismount. He, he, there was no sploosh when he hit. Mm. And, um, man, he looked like we were pouring out a cup over on the bank when it, but that I was, I was, like I said, you know, just taking in of, you know, where, where's the right place to step and when's, when's the right time to call and what, you know, are, are you doing a feeding chuckle? Are you, are you, are you quacking at them? Are you, uh, are you hail calling them? Or just, I, I was trying to pay attention. Like I said, this is a new thing to me. So I, yeah. those were the things that I, that you always wonder when you're watching, mm-hmm. when you're watching that stuff on a show, you're like, you know, how did they do this? Or how did they do that? And so that first morning for both Asher and I, it was, it was, let's take this all in. If we get to shoot some ducks, heck yeah, this is awesome. But, and I've told you this before, but it was a, it was a surreal moment for me being able to be as far away from home as we were, Asher and I together, but with you and Jody and Brian there in the woods and just watching and learning. And, you know, I had seen you guys, um, in, in the passion of pursuit series in this same mm-hmm. place and just, um, like the exact same place, by the way. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I'm one of those that I, I was honored in that moment that you guys accepted me and accepted my son into your guys circle, um, to be able, it was just an honor and a privilege just to be there with you guys. Fact of the matter, we shot or didn't shoot any ducks. Quite honestly, didn't matter to me none whatsoever. It was the fact that you guys allowed us to be a part of y'all, and man, that was alone by itself. I, I, I can't ever tell you guys thank you enough for just allowing us to be there with y'all. That was awesome. Yeah, I'm just glad. I'm just glad you got out of it. It's, it's just, it's, I always find it strange that I know what I felt like the first time I hunted that place. Um, and so I'm always wondering, like, maybe I'm just so ADD about shooting mallards in the face that maybe that's just me. But it's like when we bring new people in there, no, it's not just me. <laughs> it's not just, I remember yeah. that second morning um, yeah. we waded in to that, middle slough just up from Mm -hmm. the tree where I was saved. And if you remember, they had a big group of mallards that were, they went from left, then came behind us and went right. And Mitch, I thought they were going to do it perfect because they broke down. They broke down. There's a little wide spot in this hole in the timber. And that's why I like to hunt it because on a, a west east wind or a west to east or east to west, you got to hunt the other side of the hole. But um, it just sets up. It's almost like a cross or a T in this mm-hmm. big Tupelo slough, where if it's blowing from the north or the if it's blowing from the west or the east, you can hunt it. If it's blowing from the north, you can hunt it. South, it's a little hard for them to set up. Um, yeah. And I don't know what these birds saw on their final approach, but they picked up, I mean, just out of shotgun range and had those come in, we could have stopped right there because that is everything that I want people to see. 
they probably saw me poking my head around the tree just in kind of disbelief that this was about to happen. No, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think I think I was maybe standing in front of the tree or on side. I just wasn't expecting to see them come back. Um, you know, but you that, got to see my you got to see my ADDness when that, okay, if birds don't commit, then there's something wrong. There's a decoy that's not like I have to move everything around. That second morning, Joey was the most magical morning to me of that entire trip. Um, and kind of the same deal as like the first morning, but but that second hole that we hunted, mm-hmm. that was like all the things that you imagine and wonder what it looks like. Yep. That hole was was that for me because as far as you could see was flooded timber and it was it had this i don't know this mysterious mystical kind of what's beyond those trees yeah. out there i mean it it kind of had that this going it kind of had that uh, field of dreams walking into the yep. corn looking yep. looking out into those it was like i wonder what's out there kind of thing and yeah and and, and Listen, when when my 13-year-old son is standing there and he says the same thing to me, he's like, "Dad, I wonder what's out there." I mean, it was it was just magical sitting there. I mean, and it was ever you look to your right and it was that way, you look straight ahead, it was that way, you look to your left, and what made it even cooler, if if that's a good word, <laughs> what made it hmm. so neat was the sun coming up. And coming up into that timber, just watching the sun rise in there and lighting up the the colors, the hues, the 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 oh, shadows, yeah. the 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 um, uh, I don't even know. Just man, all of the the tones and things that you saw in there, and then and then here comes here comes Mallard circling around, and then you've got a you got a rogue, uh, um, oh. Gosh, what's the other duck we were shooting or shooting at? I never wood. hit. Yeah, the wood ducks. Well, we had wood ducks. You got wood ducks blasting through there at a high rate of speed. And, uh, you know, just I'll never forget that morning. That yeah. morning to me was, um, it was, it was just magical. Um, and it's the same deal. We, you know, we, I don't think we killed the duck that morning, but just the, I don't know. I felt like I was just in another place. I felt like, you know, I've told you this before, watching, watching your passion of pursuit episodes. Um, I felt like this old country boy from Southwest Oklahoma was right in the middle of one of those episodes that I had sat there and watched before and, and just been like, man, it would be so awesome to be able to be there. And I remember like pinching myself going, Hey, wake up. You're here. This is what it's like. Yeah. You've always wanted all the this film is... in the world. Doesn't do it justice though. <laughs> no, no, I, it doesn't. I think what it is. I think what it is about that place is you walk in and it's cold and dark and kind of spooky. Um, yeah. And and almost lifeless as then and then as God wakes the world up, right? I mean the the trees change colors in front of you, and there's life and there's life abundant, right? Yeah. Um, and then 
like I said, I mean, it's it's awesome until you hear that first Drake, and then it's then you remember why you're there. <laughs> and then when you hear it's a crazy. shot, when you hear a shot rip off in that place, just the Here we go. The, the booming echo of it and you're just like it's go time let's go let's get them in here everybody looks at their watch you you realize that the ooh, yeah little early yeah. but what nuts i guess yeah. we're good to go yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah 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 it was man like i said just i mean i'm sitting here talking to you right now and i can i can envision i can still see all of the things in my in my head that that i looked at that day and it was just it's just wow the the grandeur yeah. of it the just the beauty of it the yeah, it was awesome it, there's no other way to and then explain the third it. day and then the third day we hunted in I think shin deep of water and wood yep. ducks were you know about to knock our hats off so we had to kill yeah. some of them so and I think you guys laughed at me more than anybody because uh, <laughs> I couldn't get the broadside of a barn that morning um, which well, is they were about a little close far for the they were they were close but. Um, I don't know if I, I mean at at five yards, <laughs> your 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 spread doesn't your shot doesn't have much room to spread out. So. No, 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 it no it doesn't. They're right on top of you, trying to land on your head. You know, it's kind of kind of hard to get your hat nail out of the way. But uh, yep, no, it was that third morning was just as awesome. And uh, if you remember right, we uh, we added a little motion to our to our spread that morning we put out a duck mm-hmm. butt thinking we might could get a little more action dropping in our and the wood ducks loved it um but i don't know probably and i don't even know if you saw this or not but i remember um probably one of the coolest things about that morning uh was standing there at the trees right before right before the first first light be able to pull the trigger and uh and i remember brian praying and i had uh, i had my phone out and i've got that prayer recorded um and just you know to be out there and it just be so peaceful and quiet and then just hear just to hear man's voice and how it just kind of permeates through the woods and and that was so cool just to stand there and then um, once, once it kind of got hot and heavy shooting and stuff, I was trying to, you know, take as many pictures as I could, uh, to be able to, you know, just have memories. And one of the cool pictures I've got it, and I, I don't know if I sent it to you or not, but, um, I took pictures of, of shells that were floating out in the water. And, uh, the neat thing about it was, like I said, it just, it, it looked neat to me, but, there were blue, there were blue and red shells floating everywhere out in the water, and uh, I, I I don't know why I snapped a picture of it, but it's one of the coolest pictures I've got on my phone of just the shells that are laying out there in the water, and uh, and just all of the other things that you were experiencing out there in the water. It was just cool, the reflections and things. It's just a super cool picture, but um, yeah, man. The, the the memories of those three days and the, just the experience of those three days, man. You know what picture I just saw? What's that? Do you remember the first? It was cold the first morning. Yeah, it it was it was down there, and Holden Brian's son yeah. dropped a hundred and fifty dollar seven thirty seven call <laughs> at the base of the tree. We're yeah. in almost nut deep water or deeper mm-hmm. 
And Brian was determined to get that thing back. So if my my mind serves me right, I think we labeled him Mr. January in the uh, calendar because <laughs> we looked over and he he stripped down, no shirt, and his waiters pulled down. He kind of had that firefighter that you know hunk of a firefighter look, and he kind of had the arm up over his head, holding himself on the tree. He was posed up, uh huh. And he, he went down as he went down as far as he could in that icy water until the top of his waders were less than a millimeter from the surface of the water. Because yeah. if he went down any further, they were filling up. Yep. yep. And uh, it's it's one of those things where you can go, hey, watch this, and have time <laughs> to draw a crowd and get the cameras out. Right? Yeah, we could have. But it was. Yeah. We Oh man, that was you know funny. something else. Um, you know something else uh, I want to say about that too. That that uh, you know again was foreign to me, but was so cool watching. And it's it's something that you guys do all the time when you guys go. But it was also neat sitting there watching watching Jody and Brian. You know, strap those cameras and stuff to the tree. You know, getting getting all your gear hung up on the trees and stuff. But watching them with those pivot arms for the cameras and things to be able to catch all the different angles and all the, you know, that stuff is way out of my scope of practice and that stuff blows my mind, but it was so neat yeah. to, to, to see that, you know, just the, the setup and the, the planning and the, you know, this is how they're going to drop in and we want this shot to be able to get the, you know, that kind of stuff was cool to me to be able to watch and see. Well, the, the one thing we always have to, try to figure out is where to put Brian. Um, and that question is answered by how are the ducks going to work this hole? And that question depends on what's the wind doing. Um, is, are there natural lanes for them? That first morning there really wasn't. Um, the second morning we've hunted and filmed in that place before. So we kind of knew how they were going to work. Um, and so all of that, like which tree, where to put the camera arm, how high to put it, where to put it to where we can swing around and film on both sides of the tree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's more to consider than you, than just, Hey, I'll grab this tree and hang my bag. Hope they come right here. Yeah. It has a, it adds a whole nother level of complexity and element to it that, I don't think a lot of people um, that now the the guys that are really good with with photography or videography or whatever in the woods they know, um, but they're a very very small you know fraction. Yeah, I'm, so I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, I try to look at it from his perspective to kind of see what he might be seeing when birds decide to work and. So I try to, you know, think of, okay, how do I have to set the hole up with the decoys? Um, cause you don't put decoys where you want the birds to land. They're not looking to land on top of a decoy. And mm-hmm. as it gets later in the year, the more decoys you have, um, it tends to not look as realistic. So a lot of times, um, if we have motion decoys, I'll put them under a bush or, 
maybe really close to the base of a tree or something like that. So if they're circling, they can't see that thing spinning the entire time. They just yeah. get little glimpses of it as they work the corners of the hole. Um, yeah. I'll put motion decoys or whatever underneath bushes to where they see the, the ripple on the water, not so much what made it, which is why we kick water to a bunch of times when there's bird. I think we did some of that the second morning. Yep. Um, yep. but it's, uh, it's, I'm glad it hit you like that. Um, because that's, that's what I was hoping. I want to change gears, uh, because yep. one of the things that we were intentional about, um, is adding you to our project identity library. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, We'll talk a little bit about your episode because by the time this uh, podcast drops, it'll be out maybe three or days, three or four days after. But um, what talk to me about your journey and what it means? um, What what walking that journey with with Christ means? Um, What were you? Were you saved at a really young age and just had it kind of all figured out when you were young, or did it take you a while like it took me? Um, I kind of know the answer to that because I've heard it, but I want to hear you tell it. Absolutely. For me, you know, I I grew up uh, in a phenomenal household. Uh, my Mother and father, both tremendous, tremendous folks, both Christians. Um, I was born and raised um, in Church of Christ, grew up as Church of Christ, Um, was uh, very involved in youth group when I was young in high school, Um, was baptized uh, my senior, no, my junior year, um, junior year in high school, um, and had you know, a, a knowledge of, of, you know, Christ is my savior. And, um, and I, like I said, I, I had a, I had what a did that mean to you? What did that mean to you at that uh, age? Yeah. Christ is my savior. But you know what? At that age, we're also bulletproof and stupid. So true to me, it was, Looking back on it, at the time, and this is going to sound, <laughs> this is going to sound kind of generic. Um, to me, looking back, it was a kind of a check the box thing for me, um, and I can remember mm. that time in my life. Um, it was a, um, and and I think most people, and I would maybe say most, most men would maybe think this as well, or young men in school. It was, uh, uh, I got my driver's license. Uh, I got my class ring. Uh, I got my letter jacket. Uh, I got my car and, um, and I'm involved. I'm, I'm involved in, in my youth group. And, um, you know, we're all, there's, there's a group of us that, you know, over a period of time, you know, we all we're we're, we're getting bad. We need to be baptized and saved, and and I can remember I can remember having that conversation with my my folks. Um, you know, I think I think I want to get baptized, and um, had a tremendous youth leader. Uh, Kyle Wright was my youth leader. I'll never forget him, um, and had developed a relationship with him, and 
really talked out, you know, what, what that meant. Um, and I, I'll never forget this. I remember him telling me when the day I was baptized, um, when he, when I came up out of the water and he told me, he said, give me a hug. And I'll never forget. He said, he said, if you thought things were hard prior to this, things will get harder for you. Mm. And, and I kind of looked at him. I was like, well, what do you mean? Whoa. He didn't tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the recruiter that told mean? me in the Navy. I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, man, was he right. Um, yeah. just, you know, life kind of changed at that point. Um, I, of course, when I graduated from school, I went off to college. Um, uh, my wife and I started dating, um, and, uh, she had come from a non-denominational, um, on, pretty well Pentecostal background. You know, her mom and dad were, uh, pastors of a, of a non-denominational church, but had a, had a background in, in, in the Pentecostal church. Um, and, um, both wonderful and tremendous churches, uh, but at two totally opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to, um, kind of their beliefs and, and, uh, so I went through a phase there for a while um, of trying to find out for me what uh, what I was going to do. Um, you know, I was born or I was born and raised, grew up Church of Christ, and uh, you know, I started dating my wife and and uh, started going to her church and with her, and that was uh, that was you know a tremendous. It was something completely opposite that I had ever seen before in my life. And uh, I can remember, you know, there was a lot of hard times. There was a lot of hard discussions about, you know, which church we were going to go to if we got married. And we wound up splitting up and breaking up over that alone by itself. You know, just differences and opinions and theories and thought processes and beliefs. and um, over uh, Over religion as it were over religion and you hit the nail on the head. You, you got ahead of me and, and, um, Hmm. yeah. And I finally, and I can't remember when it was or what it was specifically, but, um, I realized that, and, and don't get me wrong. Um, both churches are phenomenal churches. There's phenomenal people in it. Um, but one thing that I learned, even in both, was um, that there's legalism that that can transcend through any denomination or religion. And um, I honestly, at that time, didn't understand the difference between religion and what a personal relationship with Christ looked like. All I ever knew was what, you know one 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 denomination said that you you know that you couldn't you know you 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 couldn't have instruments in a church or you couldn't dance or you you couldn't wear makeup or you couldn't cut your hair or you couldn't do this or you couldn't do that and you know i guess if those things work for you then knock yourself out it it didn't work for me um i i when I figured out what a true relationship, one-on-one relationship with my Lord and Savior looked like, none of that other stuff, I, <laughs> I don't want to say it didn't matter to me anymore, but it but it didn't matter to me anymore. I, it it was a, 
it was it was a life changing thing for me to understand that you know I had to have a personal relationship with 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 my creator um and what did that look like you know certain denominations said this is what it looks like and another denomination said this is what it looked like well, what did that what did that actually look like um and for me you know as i grew older you know my wife and i when we got married um you know we decided we went to her mom and dad's church it was family life church it's a non-denominational church here in altus oklahoma it's a wonderful church wonderful people um and we we were engulfed in ministry uh, i think we did every type of ministry that you could do we did young adults ministry we did children's ministry we did youth uh we did married couples we did almost married couples we did uh anything praise and worship you know we led praise and worship forever and uh you know it was it was all wonderful uh, it was all wonderful to be able to to be involved in in church and leadership and things like that but um but man just the one thing that god showed in me and, and I didn't real I mean I I said I didn't realize it. The relationship that the personal relationship that I have with Christ and just knowing him and getting to know the things about him, being in his word and reading about him and you know, I find that the people that you're around on a daily basis, you have to build relationships with them as well. And it it caught for forever just working in ministry i was i was so focused on kind of the the production and the the um how how a church service is supposed to run and how um you know are the lights on at a, are the lights on at the right time and is a transition between a prayer and a song is it on cue and there's no dead space yeah. and uh you know just the behind the scenes stuff of a church service that that if you're not on that side you never know about it if you're just a person sitting in the in the crowd it, it's just the service those things i i was entrenched in and um but man over the years just developing a relationship with Christ and watching it change me as a as a father as a as a husband as a son and God began to, I don't know, do a work in me about, I guess it's been about five years ago. And I look back on it at the time and I think, you know, I think God was more than anything. I felt like, you know, I was trying to reach out to other men to, to, um, you know, help them. But I think God flipped the script on it and, and placed a bunch of men and people in my life that showed me you know, you're not, you're not teaching them. They're helping teach you. And, um, so I had the opportunity about five years ago, I think, um, I decided that wanted to, um, I wanted to start a, a Tuesday night men's group. If I'm getting ahead of myself, switch me in the direction I need to go. But, um, no, you're fine. I, um, I decided I was sitting in bed one night and was talking to my wife and um and I said, "You know what? I said I just feel like that I need to I need to reach out to some of these these guys here in town that 
that I know. I know them. I've grown up around them, but I know who they are, but I don't really know them. Um, and I just feel like I need to, I need to reach out to some of these guys here in town that I know like to hunt and fish like I do. And, uh, I think I'd like to, to try to start doing a, you know, maybe a Bible study or devotional at our house on Tuesday nights. How do you feel about me inviting some guys over to, to try and do a Bible study? She looked at me and was like, are you serious? You want to do that? I was like, I was like, yeah. She goes, I, yeah, absolutely. You do it because it wasn't my idea. It was yours. Yeah. I want you to do that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> she's like, for once I haven't had to pull you into this or try to convince you to do this. And I was like, yeah, I, I think this is something that I want to do. And, um, yeah. man, out of that, it, I texted a bunch of guys that I knew. I was like, Hey, I was thinking about having some guys come over and, um, trying to do a little Bible study and any of you guys be interested. And, um, man, it started out with like four or five guys the first Tuesday night. And, and, uh, it just kind of grew exponentially from there. Um, and five years later, uh, you know, we've, we've done multiple studies and that was, that was honestly how I found you and, and found uh, passion of pursuit and revelation outdoors was trying to find different studies to do with these guys that the whole focus and what I wanted to do with, with these men were, I mean, they were just, you know, country boys, just like I was loved to hunt and fish, but I, I wanted to see these guys, um, become, you know, the spiritual leaders of their home, what it looked like to be a husband, what it looked like to be mm. a dad, what it looked like to, to, to be a brother and what it looked like to, to serve people, what it looked like to, you know, just love on somebody, give somebody, you know, a word of encouragement instead of, I mean, you know, so many men that you see out in public and, and you kind of tip your hat to them and say, Hey, how are you? but it's pretty superficial and it never goes any further than that. And, uh, man, to be able to have the opportunity to, to sit in a room with, you know, eight to 10 guys and, and do a study. And just when you're done, then all of a sudden it's like watching somebody peel an onion back layer by layer. And men start, you know, talking about experiences that they had in their life and how they almost, you know, didn't make it and how, you know, for whatever reason, God stepped in and did something. And from, from prior to that, they didn't know that a God even existed, but, um, just how guys went from never setting foot in church ever to, you know, now all of a sudden husband and wife are going home and the husband's leaving there and going home and telling the wife what's going on in his life. And the next thing you know, they're at church on Sunday and, Next thing you know, their kids are being baptized and they're being baptized and, um, you know, just getting involved and serving and, uh, man, it's just, God opened that door and, and, you know, I'll never forget. I was, I'd done a, a study, um, close encounters by Jason Cruz. It was an eight week series. We started out with, it was a phenomenal series and, uh, when I got done with it, I was looking for that next thing. You know, I honestly, there was no manual to do this. I was just kind of shooting from the hip of, you know, mm -hmm. what to do. 
And uh, Tell I had no it. idea. I had no idea that there was a a show out there called you know Passion of Pursuit. But I know that I love to duck hunt, and those guys that I had hunted with, or that I had done this Bible study with, not many of them had duck hunted. They're big deer hunters and turkey hunters and pig hunters and quail and all that kind of mess. But none of them, none of them really were all that big duck hunters. But here I am finding this show on TV one night. I'm scrolling through and I find this duck hunting show, and I'm like, hmm, I'm gonna watch that. That looks pretty good. And the graphics and the imagery of it just kind of pulls me in. And I'm sitting there watching it and I'm listening. And there's this like godlike voice that's narrating this thing. And this guy's name is Joey. And I don't even know, I don't even know who this dude is, but like he's already got me hooked just listening to him. And then I figured something out. I was sitting there watching this show and he's got scripture entangled within this hunt. And within this episode, and I'm like, all right, I smell what you're stepping in. I see. Oh, okay. You got, okay. All right. I'm with you. I'm I'm liking this. And, uh, man, it just, I, I, the first episode was over with. And I was like, all right, I got to check the second one out. Cause if it was as good, and it just kept getting better and better and better. And I was like, I got to reach out to this dude. This dude has just become a rock star in my life. Like this, yeah. yeah. And um, I'll never forget. It's like 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. And I'm looking for you on Facebook. And uh, I just, I thought, you know, worst thing this dude can do is tell me no. You know, I get told that by my wife all the time. So I'm used to it. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I end up shooting you a message on Facebook. Like, hey, dude. I'm doing this Bible study on Tuesday nights and I just watched your stuff. Please tell me that you've got some type of curriculum that I could pay you for or steal from you or whatever that I could, I, I see what you're doing and this is stinking awesome. Uh, can you, can you give me some direction? And man, next day I get a message back and gosh, I would, you would have thought Michael Jordan had sent me a message. You can ask my <laughs> wife. I mean, I seriously thought Bill Jordan or Michael Waddell or somebody like that shot me a message. And, uh, I mean, I still hold you up there to that status. So, um, but I, uh, I was just mesmerized that you had messaged me back and, and got the opportunity to, to, to do your, your eight week study with these guys. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, it was so stinking awesome just to sit there and go through, you know, I love the setup where you show the video um, and it kind of sets the scene for the study. And then to be able to have one on one discussion with these men and whatever the topic of that lesson is to to one, you know, there's some of these guys that they've never cracked a Bible open in their life. And just the the avenue that you're presented to touch their heart or, t- or, or hit a nerve with them of, hey, I really like to hunt and fish. Hey, this dude likes to hunt and fish too. And it's like what you said, you know, there's hunting fishing stories in the Bible. Oh really? Hmm. You got my attention now. And, uh, you know, to be able to, to play that video and, and they can sit there and watch, you know, the magic of the woods and what we got to experience, get to see that. And then, you know, 
just the simplicity of cracking open the Bible and what does the Word of God say here? And we've utilized something that we love to do to be able to connect us with our Creator. That yeah. that's that was the the coolest thing, um, and I mean, in my eyes, that's that's literally like getting to put, you know, the potatoes and gravy with the meat. I mean, you you had the best of both worlds right there, and it just gave opportunities for men to be able to be honest and truthful, and to be able to speak life into other other men sitting there in that room, and um, to be able to allow them to be vulnerable enough to trust that what mm-hmm. they're saying right there in that very moment that it's a safe place for them to share that, and to know that. It, whatever said right there is safe and what they didn't realize is they were ministering to other men sitting there in that room that may have gone through the same thing and it gave them hope and it gave them a an avenue for themselves to be able to go hey that guy is still standing he made it through if That's he right. can do it then I can do it. And um, that was probably some of the most amazing moments, just being able to do that study and be able to to see those men grow and become the spiritual leaders of their home. You know, you could ask them prior to that, what does that look like? And they couldn't tell you. And Mm -hmm. by the time you get through a study like that, they have some clarity. They can they can express their hearts. They can be truthful and honest and not have to put up a guard as a lot of times we men do, you know, it's, um, it's okay to cry. It's okay to, to admit your wrongs. It's okay to, to, um, be human. And it's okay to not have everything together. Absolutely. It's okay to not have the, the, uh, the slightest idea of what you're going to do next. It's okay to say, I may look like I've got it together on the surface. That malware mm-hmm. looks nice and calm below the surface. Those feet are going like crazy because yep. most guys know as soon as they stop paddling, everyone's going to know that they've been full of crap, right? Yep. And sure. I'm just saying, dude, it's fine to come out right now and say, you know what? I'm a poser. I'm full of crap. Um, uh, you know, I may look like I know that, uh, you know, I know what's going on and I know the, I don't know anything. Um, and you said some things that I've got some questions about. So one of them is, um, why do you think more men turn away from, and I'm not saying that going to church is the answer or going to the building every Sunday. Why do you think most men just don't engage? I personally think, and when I say this, I don't want the female population to just absolutely flog me to no end. Um, Females turn it down for about 30 seconds. (laughs) I love them all. Um, (laughs) I think, and when I say this, um, I'll just say it. I mean, I, I think um, 
I think the church, I think, um, has been feminized. And when I say that, I mean, if you look at the population of a church, usually it's predominantly women. And for whatever reason, not, not at their fault, but you've seen a decline in the number of men go to church or because for whatever reason, the leadership role in the home has been taken over by the female because of the absence of the male in that home a lot of times. And that's not, that that's, I know children that they come from a home that doesn't have a father present in it. And the the mom is the father and the mother. Mm. And I've seen that. I see that in our school system. I see it in our churches as well. But I think that I think that men the absence of the men or the the male presence in the church um you know has a lot to do with <laughs> with infidelity with mm-hmm. um you know just absence of you know poor mistake or poor choices and um you know i also think it's because maybe they didn't have a, a father or a role model in their life. I think a lot of it has to do with maybe shame um, on their part. And like I said, I, when I was talking about the, the female a little while ago, I wasn't bashing them at all. I think a lot of it has to do with, with pride of the man um, and shame Um and I think those those two things alone by themselves are a lot of the reason why that you don't see the male figure or the spiritual leader of the home um, being the male it, just here in the, I don't know, time-wise for the last however many years. Um, I know within our lifetimes, and I'm sure it was that way prior to, but um, to answer your original question, I, I may beat around the bush there, but um, I see the main reason why that 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 there's not a presence of the man is a lot of lot of lot of shame and a lot of, of guilt and a lot of fear, um, and and absence of fathers in the homes and mother have to be again both the mother and the father, and so there's a there's kind of a dominance of the female in the church, which is not a bad thing. But I I do think that seeing men men need one another. Men need they need that masculine presence. They need that they need camaraderie. They need um all the wild thing that, that John Eldridge always speaks about. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. the yeah. the wilderness, the they need those things. And, and I think for so long, a a lot of churches, um, have lost, they've, they've lost that simply because of the absence of the father or the, the male presence in the home. Well, I think, I think you're on to what my, um, 
think you're about to align up with what my analysis is, and that is I think that religion has painted a very false picture of what it means to be a Christian man. Um, I think that Absolutely. they have a mass, it just just totally um, stripped away what it means to be a man. Um, I think that if you go into a lot of churches and if you look at the men that are in church, they don't look a whole lot like anybody that you or I would relate to. Um, they look dutiful and bored. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I really do think that religion has painted a false picture of a false Christ and what it means to be a man. I mean, the, the pictures that I was kind of led to believe of like, this is in his starched white, you know, perfectly tailored, uh, robe and, you know, his, his feet, I'm sure were never dirty. And it just, all of the things that you just said about men learning to become, um, we have the most realistic picture of what it means to be a truly masculine man, of what it means to be fierce when you have to be fierce, about what it means to be tender and kind and loving when mm -hmm. it's time to be that, um, what it means to laugh, what it means to cry, what it means to be scared, what it yeah. means to doubt. Jesus was all of that. He was all of that. You yeah. read read John's gospel, right? And if you can't pick up on the true... Okay, so this is what I think it is. Um, I think a lot of guys don't picture Jesus as someone that they could be close to in a, a pure friendship, brotherly type of manner. And it's because religion has painted this picture of him as king and messiah and he is don't i'm not saying that he's not yeah. but if that's if that's all there is to him how how do you think you can relate to him i don't know any kings i don't uh, you know i know met, you met some met some queens but i don't ever i don't know any kings you know <laughs> and so if he's if he's not like us how am I supposed to relate to him? The only see, the only thing I see when I go into church is a bunch of hypocrites pointing their finger at me. And That's I've, sure. I've had somebody tell me, you know, all oh, church is full of hypocrites. I, well, you can come. We got room for more. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. It's totally fine. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that, I think that religion, like Eldridge says, gives you the appearance of knowing Jesus while it actually keeps you an arm's length away from knowing the real thing. Absolutely. I, I, um, you know, when you're saying, when you were saying that, um, one of the scriptures that comes to, comes to my mind and that honestly, um, getting back to when you were talking about the, 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 the man and, and I even 
go so far to talk about the the group the group of men that that I would meet with on Tuesday nights. Um, mm-hmm. Man, Psalms mm-hmm. one. Man, you, of course, when you think yeah. of scripture for women, you automatically think of Proverbs. But but Psalms one, man, the first six verses just absolutely slapped me to no end when it talked about surrounding yourself with an inner circle of men. And, and it doesn't even have to be men. I mean, this is for, for people in general. Mankind. This, this, like, really cranked my tractor when, when I, just the very first, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the companies of mockers, and but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditated, meditates on it day and night. There's some key things that he said that he said there. And the three things that it looks at, he does not walk, he does not stand, and he does not sit in the company of the wicked, sinners, or mockers. That scripture alone by itself Change my life, change my perspective about the men, the people that you surround yourself with. Because it's it's clear and evident that the people that you surround yourself with, typically you become. That's right. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. The, the people that you're around, that you 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 adapt to those things. Um, and when I when I read that, like I said, this was a mind blowing thing for me because I knew people that I had been around that I had been influential in my life. And I knew that I needed to have men in my life that could speak, that could speak to me, to be honest with me, to be truthful, to kick me in the rear when I needed it. Yep. And I honestly think looking back, starting that Bible study, I thought that I was going in trying to be that for these other men and turns out God had it flipped completely that those men were people that I needed in my life for me. Wow. And um and I've been able to see that transgress into the church and and just with other other men that come in contact with. I mean, he placed you in my life. Yeah. You know, um, you know, there's something there's um, so you talk about Psalm one and uh, one of the things that Jason Cruz said one time is the interesting thing about that verse is, yeah, we we are who we hang around with, but you mm-hmm. see a general um, just a general degradation of first he's walking. Right. Then he's standing and then he's sitting. Mm-hmm. He's making no progress whatsoever. And I, I think yep. our natural tendency is, well, yeah, I mean, I got some friends that are kind of rough, but, you know, I'm not as bad as him yet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. he he gives us that verse because, look, he don't call us sheep because we're smart, dude. Um, That's for sure. He, uh, he gives us that verse because, and he says, you're blessed. He said, blessed is the one you get a blessing if you don't hang around with people that are going to pull you outside of your testimony and what you know Christ expects of you. 
You're blessed Absolutely. if you don't do it. Um, well, and you know what else? If you read on in that scripture, this, I think, I think it doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, whatever. If you read, if you read on and, and read in, in verse three there, it says mm-hmm. this, it says the person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers and i'll never forget the illustration that he used was of if you've ever been out in the woods and you've hunted near a river both sides of the river typically have trees running down both sides of the river why is that it's because of the roots it's because their placement their position to the water. You take that tree off of that river and you plant it 500 yards out in the middle of a field. What do you think is going to happen to it? it it'll die. grow a little or it'll die, but it's not going to prosper. Right. Absolutely. It may get rain from, from now, now and then, and it, it might be alive, but it's not going to live. It's not going to prosper. And so right. uh, one of the most eye-opening things with that was we're, each one of us are trees. And what's, what's, what's so awesome is we have the choice to be planted near the river or not. Yeah. And um, it was an opportunity to, for those men and myself just to, to align ourselves, to position ourselves. And I think each and every person ought to really get in, dive into this scripture. This is one of the easiest scriptures to read. It's so simple and it's so natural. And it's, I don't know. It, you think a lot of guys are, you you think a lot of guys are just scared. Um, I know I was. Yeah, I do. About what, what what are, what are the people that really know me going to say about me? I'm going to yeah. be this weird Bible thumping, you know, Jesus guy. Um, I think a lot of men are scared. I, Honestly. I would agree with that 100% because, I mean, let's face it. Did you know what it looked like to be a Christian before you were? No, but I, I tell you one thing. You said something earlier that I wholeheartedly agree with and I want to get you to expand on. And that is you said... Um, you think it was hard before it's only going to get harder now. I think I know why that is, but I would love to, I think you said your pastor said that to you after he baptized you. Um, yeah, my youth pastor said that to me. How, how, how can it get harder, man? You're supposed to have like eternal life and everything and everything's supposed to be great. How can it be harder? Man, temptation alone by itself. I mean, you think about it as a man, um, the female, the female alone by itself can get the man in a lot of trouble, whether that female is in the flesh or if she is on a video screen or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, you know, you look at the things that, that men deal with, you know, pornography is something that is rampant in our world today. The easy access. Celebrated, uh, celebrated. and, And celebrated and it's only and it's yeah it's only getting worse uh you know 
course, you know, forever, you know, drugs and alcohol were the main thing. But now, you know, you're looking at social media and you're looking at just the access and ease of how you can get your hands on things so easily. You know, we used to, it was harder, but, you know, um, man, you, you don't think that, that our enemy doesn't turn the volume up when you say yes uh, to to your creator, you know, the, the volume's only going to get turned up even more. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You don't get a trophy at that point and say, okay, you've won. Now go go sit down on the bench. Um, yeah. It gets harder, man. Um, one of, one of my – sorry, one of my favorite um, – it's, it's my life verse is Galatians 5.17 because it says the flesh is set against the spirit. The spirit is set against the flesh. They are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Paul is writing to the church, the saved people, believers of Galatia. And he's saying, you have an old nature. You're all believers. You're all saved. But you still have an old nature that will contest and oppose what the Spirit is trying to do in your life. Um. All I know is before I was saved, there was no struggle when I wanted to go drink myself stupid or, you know, be, be contrary to my wife when, when she would ask me to go to church with her or when mm -hmm. I would, you know, tell my kids that, you know, your mother's telling you stories when she was reading the Awana verses to them. That's, I persecuted my family, right? Um, no, there was no. no struggle doing that because there was no spirit and there was no spirit because there was no salvation. And so, um, and you don't have to be addicted to porn. You don't have to be a drunk. You don't have to be, um, a, a drug addict or a pedophile or a murderer. Guess what? Without, without the righteousness of Christ, we're all going to the same place. Mm -hmm. It, it doesn't. You can look at these people and go, well, I don't, I don't do all of that. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? No. Get on the bus with them. Because you're, well, you're in the same you, you boat said, with them. Yeah. Well, you know what? And, and I, uh, you know, you asked, you said, uh, you asked me, you said, you know, it doesn't get better. Um, one of the, I, I'll never forget, it's been a few years ago, my wife and I were, we were at a church in Oklahoma City and, um, the, the, the lesson that was being taught that morning was out of the book of Habakkuk and, uh, Habakkuk is one of the shortest books in the Bible, mm -hmm. but, and, and there's, there's not just a whole lot of hope in that book when you read it. Right. Uh, and I'm looking at it right now and, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll read this to you. And I think you'll know where I'm going with this. Um, God, he looked down at the nations and he said, you know, I'm going to do something in, in your day that you wouldn't believe, even if I were, even if I told you. By the way, hey, I'm right. I'm raising up the Babylonians, and they're ruthless people, and they're going to sweep across the whole earth, and uh, they're going to be feared, and they're going to be dreaded, and they have no law, and uh, their horses are swifter than you are. They're faster than you are. They fly like eagles, swooping in to devour. Their whole intent is violence. And you're like, really? So you mean to tell me that it doesn't get any better? 
no, no. And then, uh, and then I'm going to send something else after that. And, uh, yeah, no, it's not going to get any better. But if you look in Habakkuk 2, Habakkuk 1 is just all bad news. Right. But the very first verse in Habakkuk 2, to me, is kind of a man's anthem. If you're a if you're kind of a brave heart, um, gladiator kind of guy, this you you will raise your sword when I say what I'm about to say. He says, "I will stand at my watch, and I will station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see what they will say to me, and what answer I am to give to this complaint." And so, in very simple terms. Stand at your guard post. Things aren't going to get any better, but fight like hell. Be a man. Stand up for what's right. Do what's right. Yeah, there's no, it's not going to get any better, but stand your stand your ground. Stand your position as a man. Stand your position. I look at it as being the spiritual leader of your home. Yeah, your finances are coming at you. Uh, a job's coming at you. Uh, a divorce is coming at you, a whatever is coming at you, stand at your guard post, have integrity, be the man that God has placed you on this earth to be. Um, and I find, I find myself a lot of times in a struggle reminding myself, Hey goofball, stand yeah. your, stand your post. All right. Well, you just God you just you just touched on it. I think the reason that it is so hard to truly not to say that you follow Jesus, but to actually do it, is because the conviction doesn't come from little gray-haired ladies pointing their crooked fingers at you anymore. Right? <laughs> yeah. The conviction yeah. comes from within yourself. And guess what? You can't fool yourself, right? No. Um, on no. this earth, no, it's not going to get. I mean, look at what. Look at the state of the state today. Um, I just came back from a week in Las Vegas, and I still feel like I haven't washed my eyes enough. Um, <laughs> it is yeah. depravity on man. Depravity of man is the marquee show of the night, and it was just Tuesday, brother. Um, yeah. You look at you you look at we're arguing whether a child has a right to survive in the womb of its mother. The most safest place that you you should be the safest of any place on the earth, and 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 we're debating and literally fighting about we should be able to kill while in the womb up until up to the point of delivery do you yeah. realize how evil this place is i mean oh. we we have we not only reinvented it but like paul told the corinthians you you boast about it you you guys are so immoral, you embarrass the Romans. 
And yeah. you're not only proud of it, you celebrate it and you boast about it. So no, it's yeah. not going to get easier, but, and, and so <laughs> we're talking about why men don't engage. Well, we just gave them a yeah. lot of good news, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't we? The good news is he's coming back. The good news mm-hmm. is there's not a work to be done that is going to, you're, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be clean enough. You're never going to be, I, I talked to so many guys, oh, well, I got to get my life together before I did. No, no, he'll take care of that. Um, There's a lot of guys that think they're too weak to serve Christ. Um, To be honest with you, there's a lot of guys that are way too strong. Right. I, um, I could agree with that. There's there's a lot of guys that think I, I've got to get my stuff together before, uh, you know, there's no hope for me. Um, I can't go to church. It's not about going to church. Um, mm-hmm. It's about do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And do you believe that he did what he said he did? And if you do believe that, what does your life reflect? Because I, like Paul in Romans 7, I'm a wretched person. The things that, I'm, the things that I want to do, I don't do. But the things that I know I'm not supposed to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. That's what Paul said, who wrote two-thirds in the New Testament and says, you know what, I'm the chief sinner. Okay, <laughs> if if if... Paul could figure it out and he still had the same problems that I have. Maybe it's not about the religion part of it at all. Maybe it's, I've got to figure out what I believe and what should the byproduct of that belief be. And I think there's a lot of guys that are scared to answer that question because I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, I, you know, my friends really know me and they're going to make fun of me or, or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. You're probably going to lose your friends. I did, but dude, it's so worth it. I mean, you look at that verse that you wrote in Psalm that you talked about in Psalm one. Yeah, man, we get blessings from not hanging around people that are going to drag us down. It's not bad. Sure. But you shouldn't also go run home. The, you know, the day you're saved, go run home and tell people they're going to hell. That ain't going to work either. So, yeah. no, um, that ain't going to work at all. Lord Almighty. Well, your episode is going to drop in the next few days. Um, we've been at this for over two hours now. Feels like a good place to wrap it up. Um, any final That's thoughts? Good. Man, I just, I just want to say. Thank you hmm. for um, for just being a brother to me, to being a um, to being a, uh, a spiritual leader in my life. Um, give me an opportunity to to get to hang out and get to learn and get to 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 just be in fellowship with you and an opportunity to get to get to know you and. And well, I feel like I'm the lucky it. one, so well, don't don't flip it over. I feel I'm like it. I'm the lucky one. Well, 
I, I am, man. Um, what would know, you tell I, the guy? I, here's, a, here's a question. What would you tell a guy that's listening to the podcast who doesn't necessarily know what he believes about God or about religion or about Jesus? Or like you've got, Mitch, you have one chance to tell this guy something that would get him to think to do some research on his own and figure out what the truth is. What do you tell him? (laughs) I would tell that guy that don't let your past, don't let mistakes that you've made define who you are category you set you in a in a place that God never intended you to be in and that your mistakes or or decisions that you've made here doesn't ultimately define you as a man and that there are other men that have done the exact same things that doesn't make them any any more any greater or any less than them and that your creator um, is a provider of grace and wants to have a relationship with you. Not, not anybody on this earth will you have a relationship with like the creator himself you can have a relationship with where he sees your true heart even through any mistake or struggle. Yeah, there's guys that struggle with addictions yeah, there's guys that have done really stupid things in their lives. But we serve a creator that, believe it or not, as a man, that will provide grace. And grace isn't something that is a sissified thing or a feminine thing. It's real. God will provide grace and mercy to each of each of you as a man. And that all you have to do is accept that Christ is your creator and that you can have a personal relationship with him as simple as God, I need you in my life. I want you in my life and I'm ready to follow you and do it all the things that you want me to do. Plain and simple. You're a lot nicer than I would be. I would just say, what have you got to lose? Right? What are you afraid of? And what do you got to lose by learning any, by learning a little more? What are you scared of? What, uh, that's what I think. And the other, yeah. Go ahead. No, I just think like, um, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> you keep doing what you're doing and see where that leads you. Yeah. And not know, or at least put a life jacket on and um, wait out. If anything, you're still going to float. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. Just, I appreciate I you being on with it me, is. dude. I appreciate you allowing me to to be on, on here with you. I hope, it's my hope and my prayer that, you know, somebody out there listening, you know, there's that man, there's that one man that, uh, you know, maybe they're struggling with something and maybe... Uh, Maybe something that you or I said in this whole podcast 
maybe strikes a nerve with him and says, you know what, if that guy can do it, or if that guy even attempted to build a relationship with another man, maybe if anything, it gives them an opportunity to reach out to somebody in their community that, you know, maybe they're going through something and maybe they know that you and I like to hunt and fish and they know a dude that likes to hunt and fish and maybe that person goes to church somewhere and maybe it provides them an opportunity to just reach out to that man. And maybe it's not you, maybe it's not me, but maybe somebody in their community that's like you or I possibly. And man, if anything, maybe their lives changed. Like that one to 99. Yep. That's right. That's right. And anybody that wants to know what that is, you got to look it up because we ain't going to tell you, you got to find it. Leaves the 99 for the one. <laughs> well, brother, uh, it's, we've been, we've been at it two hours. I think we could probably go two more. Um, we may have to have a part two. Might, yeah. might have to have a part two, but, um, I just appreciate you, man. Love you like crazy. And, uh, so glad you were able Love to come you too, on. And I appreciate you. Man, I thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for, coming to Oklahoma and get to experience what it's like here. And thank you for allowing me to come and be a part of your circle there and get to experience Mississippi and just, well, man, you're going to have to drive a little bit further soon because you need to come fishing. That's all I'm going to say. Sign me up. I'm ready. Well, it's, uh, it's time to do it, man. So when we've, when we've got a, we've got some, some time and the wind's right. You need to come on down, bring Asher and let's go, let's go smash some trap. All right. I'm ready. All right, brother. You have a good evening. Good seeing you again. All right. Thank you, Joey. Love you, yeah, man. Love you. And with that, our conversation with Mitch has come to an end. We want to thank him for taking so much time to spend with us. Tell us his story. Um, we had some good hunts. Um, we're going to have some more, want to encourage everybody just to look up his Project Identity episode when that comes out in a few days. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. We enjoyed shooting it. And, uh, again, just want to say thanks. Hey, if you want to support the podcast, you should want to. Check out the store. Uh, we got stuff at the store. We got merch. We got shirts. We got mugs. Stuff like that. Um... We talked about our men's eight-week study, uh, video study. If you want to check that out, that's for sale on the website. It's like 30 bucks for eight weeks. I think it's good, but it's a great price, too. So uh, you get leader's guide, video guide, uh, Bible references, discussion guide, and the videos. You get them as soon as you buy them on the website. So, again... Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for looking for another episode. Um, We're going to be coming out with these very, very frequently. Probably hear the frogs in the background because the rain just moved through South Louisiana. And so now the frogs are out doing their thing. And we're going to wrap up and do our thing. So again, God bless, guys. Uh, Appreciate you listening. And we look forward to bringing another episode of the No Limits Podcast. Thanks.